select John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge makes game, you hear me? Hello and welcome into another episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. This week, I'm joined by my guy, Alex Winton, uh, one of the best Grizzlies Twitter followers you can have. Uh, funny tweets, great tweets during every game. How you doing today, man? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. This is, uh, I'm pretty sure this is my first podcast, so I appreciate you having me on for sure. Oh yeah, no problem. And one of the reasons I actually did want to have you on is because I know that you're a big Jaron, you're a big Jaron guy like me. And Jaron, like this, I think this was the best game of his career offensively. Now you can argue, like, obviously it wasn't his his game high. Like I know he had that 43-point game against the Bucks, but I think this was his most efficient. And I think the way that he scored is the most sustainable way. Because I feel like the past times when he's had these big games, it's because he hits like seven or eight threes out of nowhere. You know, he just has one of those kind of nights, which that's not something that's going to happen very often. But last night, he was 10 out of 11 from two on two-pointers and 12 out of 14 overall. And it's like stuff like that is what I really like to see from him. And I just – I think it might have been the best game we've ever seen from him. And it was awesome to watch. Yeah, um, I think with Jaren um... – he just made the game easy. It's just he's really simplifying his game now, like where he doesn't really have to really worry. Like he really's not taking a lot of threes. Like he's not forcing the issue. Like he's picking the spots a lot better. Um, like because even last night, like I just felt like even though he had what thirty one, I think he felt like I feel like he probably even should have got a little bit more at times. Like I felt like he could have had forty if he like easily. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the thing was he was rebounding too blocking shots like he was doing what he needed to do and again this is I, I I think I said it on Twitter like because somebody was like this is a special game from Jan and I'm like this could happen more often they just got to get him the ball like as a big usually if you're not Jokic or B you're at the mercy of your guard play or really your guards or wings throwing you entry passes that's just usually how it is and so for like Jaren a guy that needs people to get him the ball no disrespect to him but you know get him in his point he's in his spots he needs somebody to get him the ball we got to look for him. Like, you got to throw the – like, I literally will scream at the TV and be like, throw the ball to him. Like, because, like, it's, he's got a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six dude on him. It's like you got to take advantage of that mismatch. Yeah, and I think especially because of the way the league has moved to a lot of small ball fours and not a lot of times is there where you have a four that's as big as Jaron that's also playing with a center like Steven Adams that just takes up so much space in the paint and is always down getting rebounds and everything like that. And it's like, you don't really see that as much anymore. And I think that's why he has so many mismatches. And I do agree. I think they need to get him the ball more. I hear a lot of people talk about, especially in our Twitter spaces, talk about that Jaron should probably have the most shot attempts on the team. If it's not Ja every night. If it's not Ja, Jaron should have the most shot attempts on the team, especially with some of the mismatches he had. And last night, he scored 31 on 14 shot attempts, which is... That's kind of ridiculous to me because, I mean, you got to look at it. Ja had 32 on 21 shots, which is still pretty damn efficient. Like, that's that's a pretty efficient 
That's a pretty efficient night. But 12 out of 14, 31 points, and then still playing good defense. I mean, he had he only had he had three blocks. I mean, only had three blocks. He averages about three, but I've seen him have six, seven, and he had three in the he had all three of them in the first quarter. And it yeah. really felt like he would have had more blocks if the magic weren't scared to like go at him a little bit because it was like they could not score on him in the first quarter. And I feel like he just deterred a lot of shots the rest of the game, even though he didn't actually get blocks. Yeah, he only took three threes too. Like, and I think he took like maybe like I think if I if I remember it's like five to seven free throws. So somewhere around that range. Yeah, he was five so out of seven. Yeah, I was about to say so he he was literally cooking like my thing with Jaron is like I I've been a I'm big on proponent on like you have to have a clear pecking order. Not to say like people can't get shots outside of the top guys, but like when you know your top three guys to me are Jod, Bang, Jaron in some order in terms of shot distribution, you're gonna be good. Like and everybody else get where they at. That's why I feel like with Jaron, like there'll be times where no disrespect to Dylan Brooks, but he'll have more shots than him. And I'm like, especially when especially when Jaron's going, it's like there's no real reason for that, especially when Jaron presents more of a mismatch problem. And my thing is, if you want to win the way the Grizzlies want to win, which is obviously NBA title, in the playoffs, it's about exposing mismatches. And when you're talking about a team that I wouldn't say struggle, I mean, they struggle in the half court based on the numbers. I think they've been better this year. But when you're going to get to the playoffs, you're you're going to have to attack mismatches. That's the name of the game. And Jaren's going to have a mismatch majority of the time against any team you match up against, West or even East. Like so, you're going to need to make sure that is a a thing that is featured throughout the season because that's going to be something that you're going to see in the biggest games in a, you know in April and May those type of um, settings. Yeah, for sure. And I also think the most encouraging thing was not only that Jaron played so well, but that Jaron was able to play and have a 30-point game the same night as when Ja was doing what Ja does. It's it's almost it seems like it's every night at this point. Like 32, that that's like okay, you know, that, <laughs> that's just like a normal night at this point, which is really crazy to say that. Like it was like he had 32 and it really didn't even feel like he had 32 for most of the game. Now in that third quarter, it felt like he did. Like he dominated the third quarter, which I feel like he's done that most of his career. Uh, he just comes out after halftime. I don't know if it's because he watches film like at the half and comes out. He's like, oh, this is how they're guarding me. And then he finds his spots a lot easier. But it's like the floater is the best it's ever been. And I think that's the most encouraging thing, because I think that that shot is going to that that shot can be the difference between the Grizzlies, you know, going to the Western Conference finals or something and like actually winning the championship because if he continues to hit it at the rate he's been hitting it like the last like on this like five game win streak uh I don't know exactly what the floater stats are but it feels like he's he's knocking down like 70% of them like that's what it's felt like over the last couple of weeks it feels like it's almost automatic uh and I just think that the way that he's played especially after that tough stretch I think he's really been like the engine to kind of get this going uh, because he's had a couple nights where he's had like he's had three of the three of these games where he's been over 30. And then the first game of the win streak, he had 17 assists. So it's just like the way that he's kind of learning which nights he needs to kind of take a scoring role and which nights he can kind of sit back and let the other guys get going. I think that's the biggest growth in his game is he's learned that, like, you know, I don't have to go out and have 30 every night, but there are some nights where I'm going to have to carry the load a little bit more.
Yeah, with yeah, with Ja, I I I've been a big proponent on even last year or the year before, really, that second year for me about him taking a leap to where he is now. It wasn't not to say he doesn't need to improve in this area, which is a three-point shot, but for me, it's consistent aggression. Like, because we've seen Ja have moments, because people forget, and that's why I'm glad he's passing the way he is now, because I think a lot of people forgot over the last year that Ja is like a top 10 passer in this league, and I've been very adamant on saying that because people forget the first two years, he was really like averaging like seven, eight assists. But last year, I think he only averaged like six, but he was still making the same passes, but he was in more of a scoring role. And so I think people forgot about the passing a lot, a little bit. And now he's averaging career high in assists. Um, and so now I feel like with him, the floater, like you said, I think is his bread and butter. Like I think it's probably is the best it's ever been, but I think again, he's always had, it's just, it seemed like it was off for a little bit. Maybe I, I'm trying to think when. Maybe I think early December. I think that stretch is when he was kind of like missing a lot of chippies that he usually makes. But in this last five-game stretch, he's definitely knocked down that floater a lot. And that's going to be his bread. But I think that and free throws, like his free throw percentage, I think has to take an uptick. To me personally, as a point guard, you need to get closer to 80%, especially when you're a high-volume point guard like Jai is, where he's going to get to the line. I'm pretty sure he's like top 10 in free throw attempts. Like you need to have those more so than the three ball because that's really where in the playoffs you're going to be at a lot of time, even though they is a more physical game, but he's going to be able to get calls. And so he's got to make sure that he's locked in and when he's doing that. And also with, you know, just continuing to figure out and pick his spots, but I'm, he's been, he's been doing this the whole time. Like I, I don't get surprised by what John Morant does anymore. Like I, I know that sounds like a sport as a sport. I might be a little bit spoiled in that regard, but like, I kind of expect this from John now, especially when you're like him. Like to me, I think he's a top 15, borderline top 10 guy. So like, I just expect this at some point when you're one of those guys, like I just kind of expect it from you on a nightly basis. So, but yeah, no, he's been, he's been great. He's been awesome. Yeah. And I, I get what you're saying about kind of being spoiled because that's what I mean. It's like, it's ne especially when you followed the Grizzlies for as long as people like we have, it's like, you go back, it was like when if Mike Conley or Marcus All or somebody like those those were great players, but if they had thirty two in a game, it was like oh this might be their best game of the season. Like Ja had thirty two last night, and I don't even know it might have not even have been one of his five best games halfway through the season, and <laughs> it's like he had thirty two points. And I, I, I get what you're saying about getting a little bit spoiled with that. And I tr I try my best not to. But when you see the stuff that he does on a nightly basis, it can it can get kind of difficult not to get a little bit spoiled by what he does. Uh, but kind of like moving on, I do want to talk about kind of the way that they turned it around after because like at the end of 2022, they had that tough stretch. You know, they lost to Golden State. They lost to the Nuggets. They lost to the Thunder. Uh all, they lost to the Suns, all without some of their top guys, like no Steph in the Warriors game, no Devin Booker in the Suns game, uh, no Shea or Josh Giddy in the Thunder game, which I think that was really the biggest one that people – I know that Ja also got ejected in that game, but they were already down by, I think, 15 when he got ejected. So that's not even really an excuse for that. And then uh, in the Nuggets game, no Michael Porter Jr., and I think no Aaron Gordon too. So it was a lot of games where they're, you're playing against – got against teams that had not all their guys and then you get Dez back I know that he's still trying to work his way back obviously he didn't play uh on the second night of these back-to-backs on this win streak either 
but it's just like all of that. I still, you still kind of felt like they should have won. Not maybe not all of those games because they're road games, but you felt like they shouldn't have gone. Like I think they lost four out of five on that stretch, and that's not really like they haven't been doing that the whole season. It's I think it was the most disappointing stretch probably mostly just because of how big the Christmas game felt and all that. And then to come back home after that game and then lose to the Suns after you had just blown them out a couple of nights before it was tough, but going back to what they've done since on this five game win streak, I feel like they've really gotten back to their identity, which is scoring in the paint, scoring on the fast break. Number one thing points in the paint over this five game stretch they're averaging 67 points in the paint. They lead points in the paint in this on the season already. Uh, but over the last five games, compared to the rest of the NBA, they're leading in points in the paint by an average of like nine per game. So it's like it's not even close. Uh, they're second in field goals made per game, second in rebounds, uh, first in like offensive rebound percentage, mostly because of how Steven Adams has been playing on the boards, and then also second in fast break points. So I really feel like this has just been them getting back to their identity. And it's one of those things where as much as that stretch was bad, it might I think it could have been a little bit of a wake up call for them. And it kind of got them to lock back into what they were what their goals were for the season and like stuff like that. And I mean, the stuff on defense has been insane, too. Like they've been playing much better defense, uh, like defensive rating uh, their top three in the league now in defense. And it's just been awesome to see them kind of turn it around since the beginning of the season, mostly because Jaron's back now, defensive player of the year, all that. I think that's not even a question that I think he's now favored to win that, too. Uh, but just a lot of good things over the stretch. If there's anything uh, that's kind of stood out to you about this stretch or anything that you liked over the last five games in particular. Yeah, well, I, well, to go back to the losing streak, well, not really losing streak, but like a, that slump. To me, I was trying to – I think it. a lot of people made it a bigger thing than what it is because of not only the Christmas game but because of what Ja said and the team you went up against. He was like, I'm fine in the West. And then you end up going against Western teams that are missing folks and you yeah. still lose those games. It just felt worse than what it was. But, like, when people go back in, and, you know, and obviously with Golden State, that has more because it's Christmas game and then you're playing Golden State. So that's why it felt a lot – like a lot more fans felt – and, you know, maybe media, whoever felt more like it felt a lot more impactful than what it really was. But for me, it was really plain and simple for me. This is a very simple thing, I think, too. Obviously, what you said is very, yeah, we're getting back to doing this. But this is what I always one of the biggest things I'm big on. Your star players got to be star players. And if you go look at that stretch when they lost to Denver, when they lost to Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Golden State, job was good in those games scoring wise. But offensively, from Jaron, Bain, Dylan, you didn't virtually get anything usually in those games. Like, I think Golden State, Jaron wasn't available because of foul trouble. Bain wasn't getting going. And then Dylan, I think, was in foul trouble, and he couldn't get going. Denver game, Jaron got into foul trouble, but he was, like, efficient. But he only had, like, three or four shots because he wasn't barely on the floor. And then obviously, we had the Phoenix game went off. OKC game we kind of just didn't play with the type of energy that you needed to, but still your best players didn't play that well. And if anything, nobody was in foul trouble, but I think Ja was the only one that scored like in d double digits. It, I'd have to go check it again, but like. Yeah. It, the Phoenix yeah, game. I think the yeah. Phoenix game was the one that was out of all of them. It just felt like they just couldn't hit anything. 
And I think yeah. the other thing is is just like especially when you go to that Warriors game and some of those other games, it was like the three point shooting disparity in all of those games was just ridiculous. It was just like all of a sudden they couldn't hit any threes. Now the Grizzlies are not a three point shooting team. Obviously, they're paint scores and all that, but in this league, you have to be able to hit some threes. Like you have to hit some. You can't go out and then they were like they weren't hitting. They were hitting single digit threes in all of those games, and I think in one of those games they only hit five. Uh, so yeah. it's like it, it was that kind of stuff that I think was the main problem. It's like the defense wasn't necessarily horrible in all of those games. Like it was just not up to par. It felt like they didn't come out with the same energy that they have like on this win streak. And I think that's the big thing is that it started with them locking in defensively. And I think it's opened up their offense a lot more. Yeah. The margin of error was smaller because your offense wasn't picking up for what your defense was doing, which is why, like, that's why I say your stars got to be stars. Like if you go look at these last five games, I mean, Dylan, the first game had 25. And then I think Jaron had like 17, 18, like, it just made a world of difference. Like when your play, best players play like they need to, you're going to win games. That's just what it is. And obviously you need to shoot. Obviously you got to make threes, but they still haven't made threes, a lot of threes over the stretching either. It's just your best players are playing the best, you know, they like they need to. And obviously during that stretch when they didn't hit threes, I will say like for a lot of teams, this is like a league thing. NBA, NBA teams this year, for whatever reason, like the, like how they play on the road and how they play at home is like night and day. Like, they'll be a great team at, at home, but outside of, like, Brooklyn and Boston, I think every road team is, like, or everybody's road record is, like, maybe a couple games over 500, and most of them are below 500. So And, like, the splits are, like, very, like, lower on the road. So, like, I think that's also part of it. Just I don't know what it is, I guess, like, because of, I guess you could say because of parity now, like, teams are a lot more better. Um you know, that, you know, teams are just, you know, shooting worse on the road. But ultimately to me, man, it's just your best players are playing like they need to. You know, Job, Jaron, Bain, and Dylan are playing like they need to play. And I just think that's kind of the main difference, at least offensively. Obviously, they're defending a lot better. They're playing with a little bit more, a lot better focus. I like to say they, they lose their focus and, you know, effort sometimes. Like, really the focus, though, and just knowing, like, hey, we got to play the same way regardless if we're playing – the Orlando Magic, Charlotte Hornets, or the Pelicans. Like, it's the same thing. So, um, I think that's kind of really just been the difference. They've just been playing – their best players just played a lot better, but obviously the other stuff has helped too. Yeah, definitely. And then kind of moving on, like, from the best players too, I did want to talk a little bit about what's been going on with the Grizzlies rotation at the back half of the rotation because, I like, we know what the starting five is going to be. It's going to be Ja, it's going to be Bain, it's going to be Jaron, Dylan, and Steven Adams. That's going to be the starting five. Maybe when you get to the playoffs a little bit, it'll change up based on the matchup. We've seen Steven Adams kind of have to, uh, like, they played the Timberwolves last year. He couldn't really play that much, stuff like that based on matchups. But that's going to be the starting five against most teams, right, especially throughout the rest of the regular season regardless. Uh, but then when it gets to the bench is where it's been a little bit iffy. You know, John Conchar has been kind of hot and cold. Uh, Zaire Williams, he had a great game last night, 16 points on six out of seven shooting, hit three three-pointers. But that was kind of like his first, really, I'll say it might have been his first good game of the season. Like, not even just, I, I now I do think that that's probably, if you, like, that's 
the most you can ask for out of Zaire on any given night. Like if he's gonna go six out of seven, like that's the best that you that you're gonna get out of him. But it, like and it, and it was great to see that. But it it's just been so hard to see him kind of struggle when he first came back, especially when you saw the way he ended last season. Uh, so there's him on the bench, and then there's David Roddy, who started the season. A lot of people, I feel like a lot of people were way too hard on David Roddy in the first, like, 10 games of the season. And it's like, you got to keep in mind, this dude played at Colorado State. You know what I mean? And now he's coming, like, like no offense okay. to Colorado State, you know what I mean? But it's not like he was playing at Duke or like Michigan State, and he was playing against like top tier talent on a nightly basis. Like you, like got to give him a little bit of time to kind of like settle in. And I think that we have seen that the three ball still isn't there. Like I don't, and I don't know if that's really the thing, but I think the most important thing I've seen from him is that he's been more aggressive, like taking the ball uh to to the rim because he's so much bigger than most of the people that are guarding him. And I think that's what he's finally realizing. And he's also realizing that people in the NBA don't like contact anymore. So if you put your shoulder into somebody, like a lot of times they're they're not given a ton of resistance. Like, let's be honest, like especially when you're playing against a lot of twos and threes are guarding him. And he's just like, dude, he's built like a linebacker. So I I, I like the way that he's played. It's going to be interesting to see them. Uh, him and Zaire kind of fight for minutes because I know Roddy kind of was out of the rotation a little bit when Zaire came back, but now he's kind of found himself back in the rotation with Zaire. Uh, I know there's also been some other injuries with Brandon Clark being out, Santi Aldama missed a game and stuff like that. But I think he's kind of carved himself a pretty solid role uh, just so far in this season. It's going to be interesting to see them kind of battle for minutes as the season goes on. Yeah, I think I'm, I owe David Roddy a little bit of an apology. Not to say I didn't believe him because I was – with Grizzly picks now, especially after seeing Santi Aldama, they get the benefit of the doubt from me. I'm not going to really hurt – now, I might say, okay, he's not playing well, but I'm not going to be like, oh, man, he's done. Like, you got to give it time. We I try to tell fans, we're Grizzly fans now, because people are so used to us being good. You got to be patient with everybody, even your best players. Like, I know Jaron is – you know, we've been waiting on this type of Jaren, but he's only 23. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these guys are not even in their prime yet. They're still, like, two years away from that. So, this, like, people got to really appreciate what they're doing now. But with Roddy, for me, when they drafted him, I was like, he's offense. Like, I saw the offensive talent. Like, he could he could shoot the ball. He was a bigger type of guard forward, combo forward, as they view him. He could really score the ball. He could pass. I was like, okay. But defensively is where I had the questions. I'm like, okay, who's he going to guard? Because he's not quick enough to really, at least from what I saw, quick enough to guard guards. And then he's not big enough to guard bigs or, full, you know, actual fours. So my thing was, I'm like, okay, well, where is – how is he – because my thing is if he's not going to guard, it's going to be kind of hard to put him in lineups where you can hide him. And to – I still have some of those concerns, but a lot of those concerns are not as heavy because he's really started to really, like, guard – and show that he can he really guard. So I owe him an apology in that regard. But like with Roddy, how it looks now, he just doesn't look out of place. And he might not still be hitting shots, but the process of him, like, knowing where he is defensively and knowing where he is, the spots is offensively, like, just knowing the system now a little bit better, I think that's kind of really just the main difference to me. Like, because he's still not really – like you said, like, I'm looking at the percentage now. He's still – I think he's only shooting 27% from three on the season. And then obviously Zaire's only shooting 25. So these guys still not hitting shots yet. 
but like the process of them being in the the system, they kind of understand where they're at and where to get their shots at and how to move within it, I think is obviously the biggest difference, especially for Roddy since he's a rookie. So, yeah, for sure. And with Roddy, the other thing is like, he hasn't been hitting the shots. I think he's, he, he's hit a few, like, but I think the main thing is, is he, he's learning when to take them and he's not, he doesn't take bad shots. And I think that's, that's the number one thing that I've kind of noticed on the offensive end. And then on defense, it seems like even though he's not like the quickest guy, I feel like he's always in the right place now. And I think that was like the main problem. Like you said, at the beginning, he kind of had to learn playing against NBA players and stuff like that, uh, kind of where he needs to be and everything like that. But I think just the more games he plays, and I think that's that's the same thing I said even coming into the season, which I'll be honest, the Grizzlies so far through the season have been a little bit better than I thought they were going to be to start. Like I thought there might be some like, you know, there's some new guys. They got to figure it out. I thought maybe there would be a little bit of a slower start than this, but they pick it up later because I was expecting guys like Roddy. Once you get like, and, and this and this was like once you get to like the forty game mark. Like I think he's played thirty six games right now, and it's like once I feel like once those rookies get yep, around yeah. like the forty the forty game mark is where you really start to see like they understand what it means to be NBA player. Now, we still got to worry about if he's hit the rookie wall yet, because I know, like I said, you go from playing at Colorado State to where you're only halfway through the season and you already played more games than you've ever played for most guys in their basketball career. Like, because you go to high school, college, most teams do not even get to 40 games, even if you go through the entire tournament and win the whole thing. Like most times, that's not even 40 games. And you're almost at that and you're not even halfway through the regular season. So it is going to be interesting to see how him, like how he does it. It'll be in also interesting to see like Jake LaRavia, if he gets back into the lineup. I know he's been playing a lot with the hustle and everything too, uh, but I feel like he's probably not going to hit it just because he hasn't really been playing as much. But with Roddy, that is something I would be kind of interested to see uh, how he does with that. But I think so far he's navigated the transition as well as you could expect for somebody who came from a little bit of a smaller school. Uh, now, obviously, and that's the other thing. I think, like you said, Grizzlies fan being spoiled. Like, you see the way that Ja came out and played and Jaron came out and played when they first came to the league. And then even Bain came out in his first year and was one of the most – had one of the most efficient three-point shooting seasons in the history of the NBA. Even though he's only averaging nine points a game. Like, he came out and you were like, oh, this, this dude has potential to be, like, a top ten shooter ever, <laughs> like, based on percentage. And – like you don't see that kind of pop in the first like 20, 30 games of the season. And you might get a little bit worried like, okay. And it's like, you, you go back and you remember all the games they had early in, the, in their careers. And those guys just looked amazing, but you got to remember that not every rookie is John Morant. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got to give these guys time. And I think that with time, he's become much better. And I think that, him and Zaire are both are two of the reasons why I think the Grizzlies are going to get the one seed in the West this season. And I think um, I wasn't ready to say it necessarily earlier, but looking at the standings now and the way that like guys have been out, the way that some of the guys have played on the team, like guys are playing worse than I think they can. Like Zaire is playing way worse than I think he can. Right. And they're still as good as they are right now. I'm feeling pretty confident in the fact that they can get the number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think with 
what you to first with Zaire. I think I think who posted it last night. I think it was Drew Hill. I think his name, the dude who covers the Grizzlies for the I think commercial appearance. for D- Daily Memphian. Yeah, yeah, Daily Memphian. Yeah, um, he said basically. I think he talked to him right after the, the Christmas game, and basically, he's like his confidence is there. He's just not making shots. And to me, that's how I viewed it with him. Or still, even before last night, he was he's shown stuff that he did in the summer league. Like his passing has been a lot better, playmaking a little bit, like secondary creation. Rebounding better, defending still pretty good. He just wasn't knocking down shots. Like it's just that simple. Like he just wasn't making open shots. And last night he just to me the only difference in his game out of every other game is just he just made shots. Like it's just I think obviously I think with him they expected him to be like that trade that they made with the Melton deal and also then moving off of Kyle was really for him to be that guy in terms of not necessarily a starter. But be a guy that could play 25, 22 to 24 minutes a night, be maybe not necessarily a bench scorer, but like somebody that you could say can get you 10 off the bench. He's basically doing more what he did last year, but in higher usage. Like that was the thing, but the injury set him back and obviously messed up their plans too. But that's why the Grizzlies are so good at what they do because they're able to have this type of depth where they can plug guys in and not really be able to hurt as much because of, you know, unforeseen injuries like he had. But with the Grizzlies right now, I think we're in a five-game winning streak. I think if, if I look at the schedule, their next couple – because we play Utah, then play San Antonio twice, and then in, at Indiana, and then you play Phoenix and Cleveland at home. In that stretch, I think they could possibly – to me, the two games I worry about is maybe Utah and Indiana. But outside of that, I think they could get on a really win streak, a big win streak here. And obviously, I think they can create some separation in the West. I think they can get number one. Um, it really is just going to depend on them. Like, because for me, it's like that I've seen this team do, you know, exceed expectations. And just They just got to be locked in. That's really to me. They just got to stay focused and locked in on all these games. Because usually I'm not worried about the big games. It's more of the games, like I said, like the end, like maybe a cent, like if I look down the schedule, maybe those games that on the road against a bad team, like where they played like the Thunder. Like those are games I kind of worry about where they drop off or they might not bring that same level of energy, which is which is natural for a lot of folks, a lot of teams. But I do think they can get number one. Um, I think it's a bit – but and I think they need it, to be honest, because of the way, like I said earlier, about home and road and how teams play different, they're going to need that, especially in the forum, especially from a guy that just left the forum. Like I was there for the back-to-back games when they played New Orleans and Sacramento. That home crowd, they're going to need it. Like, that home crowd is going to be a pivotal thing for them when they get into the postseason because even my games were lit, but I can only imagine what it's like when it's playoff basketball in FedEx form. So they're definitely going to need that home advantage um, going into the playoffs and maybe even if they could get the number one seed overall in the the league because I think they're close to that as well. If they could get that, especially if you get to the finals and you play an Eastern team, you're definitely going to need that. Yeah, right now they are tied for the second best record in the NBA with the Bucks and the Nuggets. Uh, the Celtics will still, if the season is the day, the Celtics would have home court throughout the playoffs and the finals right now, which that that would be a tough. That's that's a tough team to have to go against. But uh, I still th- I think they do have a chance though because the Celtics they started really hot. They haven't been as good. I think they're fi- they're five and five in their last ten games. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where I think they they kind of had a little bit of a fall off too. I think all the teams have kind of 
fallen, like regressed to the mean a little bit. Like the really good teams have kind of fallen off a little bit. Like at the beginning of the season, it looked like the Celtics were going to be on like a Suns level run from last year. And then they've kind of come back down a little bit to where, okay, they might not, they're, they're not going to go out and only lose like 18 games like this. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a 61 team in the NBA this year. And I think that just shows like the amount of parity that we have just top to bottom on both sides of like both conferences. It's like that. Uh, but I, I do think the Grizzlies do have a good chance just because, like I said, they're, they're number one right now. Jaron missed the beginning of the season and that kind of and they still were able to navigate that. Uh, obviously, there's probably going to be other guys that might miss some time, too, and stuff like that. But I think with the depth and stuff of the roster, they've shown that they can deal with that pretty well throughout this season. So I'm excited about their possibilities. I think they definitely have a good shot at being the one seed going into the playoffs. And right now they're 15 and three at the FedEx Forum. Uh, so that's a huge home court advantage if you can get that in the playoffs as well. Uh, but before we close, I just want to thank you, Alex, again for coming on and tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and everything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, on Twitter, um, I'm pretty sure my it's just my name, Alex Wynn underscore. I think that's really yeah, just Alex Wynn underscore. Um, I think Instagram is the same thing. I, it should be in my. It's basically in my bio. Like I got a link tree, so basically you just click on the link tree and it's got my links on there. I gotta update some stuff, obviously that's in the works, but. Yeah, everything is there on Twitter. Alex Wynn underscore. That's that's literally it. Um, but yeah, no, nah, that's really it on Twitter. But yeah, no, nah, I appreciate you having me on, man. This is fun. This is fun to talk Grizz hoops because, uh, um, you know, especially now because like like we talked about earlier, like being a fan of this team, like when they were like as long as we have, like at least for me speaking, was two thousand nine ten. To see where they at now is kind of like it's crazy. So it's like yeah, definitely this is fans got to enjoy this like. This is this is some special stuff happening right now with this team. Uh, so people, the please do not take it for granted. I know, you know, people got their complaints and stuff, but please do not take this for granted. This is a special thing that is happening. Um, they're on a special run. This is and it's only beginning. I'll say that only beginning. So, but yeah, no, sure. thank you, bro. I, I do appreciate it for sure. Yes, sir. And thank you to everybody who listened to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Greasy Bear Blues Podcast Network with the Starting Five, the Core Four, GBB Live, Greasy Bear Bets. We got a lot of good stuff going on over there. Uh, so be sure to like, subscribe, and follow all the other podcasts on social media and wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all of that, Apple Podcasts. We're on everything at this point. Uh, so, yeah, thank you all for listening, and we'll, and we'll see you all on the next episode.